Salutations and welcome to the James and Tom Do Horror Podcast, a podcast where two horror-obsessed filmmakers choose a different subgenre each show and pick their favorite old movie, favorite contemporary movie, and favorite obscure movie from that subgenre. I'm Jimmy P of Mad Science Films, filmmaker and sexual astronaut, and again, I am joined by my co-host... <laughs> and I'm Tom Hughes, and I don't have a big flash intro. Ah, <laughs> oh, you've got to work on one. All right, we'll get that, we'll get that for the next one. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, so this episode was my choice of subgenre, uh, and uh, if you guys remember, I chose the found footage subgenre. So, uh, found footage, it gets a lot of flack, doesn't it? Um, yeah, you know, right. like, it, it seems to be one of the most hated subgenres of horror, and it's quite an easy target. Yeah. But I've got to be honest, I've always been a fan dude. Um, yeah before i even knew what found footage was so like i remember as a you know a really spotty grubby teenager i had a dodgy pirate copy of like cannibal holocaust where somebody had colored in the photocopied cover of the vhs in like highlighter marker and stuff like that and it was really like you know it stank of like smoke how how old are you when you saw that for the first time I think I must have been about thirteen, so that's back in like '93, and um, yeah, yeah, like that's a again, film to watch when you're thirteen. <laughs> I was, I was, I was on one of those kind of missions to watch like as, as much like ultraviolet, extreme yeah. shit as I could find, yeah. and you know that lasted probably until I was like sixteen, seventeen, mate. To be <laughs> honest, uh, I had very tolerant parents. Um, I, I, I still remember a slight tangent, but I still remember when um my dad treated us to like a family weekend away in London, which was like a big deal. Um, I was so excited that I kind of scoured through like the newspaper listings. And I saw that they showed uh, John Waters, Pink Flamingos in Soho. And this was before it was actually legal outside of, you know, it was illegal to see it outside of Soho. So I convinced my dad and I, I I think I was about 15 at the time. I convinced my dad to take me and my sister, who was 13, wow. to go see Pink Flamingos at the cinema. Um, he fell asleep for most of it, but of course, what was the bit he woke up for? The bit where she's eating dog shit. And yeah. I was just like, ah, shit. And as soon as he woke up for that, he was like, nope, we're out. And I was just like, all right, I can't really argue with that. Fuck knows what the, the cinema people were thinking. You know, this this grown man that yeah, taking his yeah. two kids to see. I mean, you know, whether they thought we were his kids or not, who knows? Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I was I was on one of those trips to see every, like, mm. you know, messed up film during that time. Yeah. And so Cannibal Holocaust was, like, at the top of that list. Um, and, yeah, it, it definitely connected with me. And there's certain bits which clearly uh, became, like, the, you know, patient zero of like found footage films and there's yeah. stuff which every found footage film has kind of stolen from yeah, yeah. um and you know i rewatched it in, in um preparation for this mm. um but yeah no i've always loved it man and, and one of my picks for like my old pick again was another film that i saw on this trying to find extreme you know is it real is it not yeah, yeah. kind of thing um, which was Man Bites Dog. And yeah, that would be my, my, my choice for like old found footage film. Um, but again, when I watched that, that was more of like kind of like a, a tar- you know, like ultraviolent Tarantino kind of, you know, yeah. movie trip that I was in, you know, trying to find the next Reservoir Dogs. Uh, so, you know, Man Bites Dog, the title and all of that was would seem like an obvious connection for me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, kind of check that out. But it was only when, and I, I think this is probably true for a lot of people round about our age is, you know, the Blair Witch Project, when that came out, I saw it at the cinema. Um, It was the very first DVD I I ever owned. And like, it was 
it was so like laden with extras you know like there was the feature like documentary there was all the extra stuff yeah yeah and it was only at that point where you know the, the i think the phrase found footage made it into my young head anyway in terms of oh this is this is a thing that exists so i mean that's definitely kind of like my history with it right up until then like uh 2012 2013 when I, I did my third feature film, which was Curb Crawlers, which, again, was a found footage feature film. Um, and at that point, I made made sure... I'd seen quite a few found footage films since then, but I made sure to basically binge-watch everything that was available legally, and somewhat some of it, because it hadn't been released in the UK illegally as well. I watched every film I could get hold of right up until, yeah, like 2013. So, yeah, I mean, that's kind of my history with found footage. Tom, what about yourself, mate? What, what it, was, you... it was similar. It was Blue Witch. Blue Witch. Blue Witch 1 was the first one that got me, where I was like, I thought it was real. I'd heard, I, I don't even, I, I have no clue how old I was when it came out, but I was young enough that people, like other kids, were talking about it and being like, there's this film, you know, this thing really happened. I hadn't even seen many documentaries at that point, I don't think. So I went into it not really even knowing the documentary format very well. So I was completely sold on how real it was. And I remember, like, trying to get on my parents' dial-up internet with the really slow, noisy modem that took ages to go on the website. Was it like, who is the Blair Witch? It was some some kind of question, wasn't it? And it was like, what is the Blair Witch.com or whatever it was. And I remember like seeing it and being absolutely terrified and then thinking it was real, like it completely convinced me when I was like 12, 13, however old I was. And then watching the, th- watching, uh, watching the documentary, like you said, going on the website and reading the stuff. And then they, they did a book too. It was like the Blair Witch Dossier or something. And it yeah, was, yeah, it was yeah, crazy. Yeah. Like it was, it was literally written by a fake author who had studied the thing and he was interviewing people in character for the entire book. Like it was, it was amazing. So the whole world of that definitely pulled me in. And then I think once I understood how they'd made it and I, I must, I must have, I don't know if I, I probably didn't even know about commentaries at that point, but at some point I found out about them not letting them know where they were and giving them the little map each day in the direction. Yeah. Like they gave me yeah. a set of notes, didn't they, for each day and yeah. said, okay, you've got to get here by the time it gets dark. And then they were running around the night and making the noises and throwing the rocks at, rocks at the tent and everything. And it's like, once I knew that's how they made it, I was like, oh my God, you can make films like that, you know? And then I found out how how well it did, like in proportion to how much it cost and everything. And like obviously same as everybody else and just went, oh my God, that sounds like an amazing way to try and make a film but weirdly i haven't really come back to found footage since since i started making films like six seven years ago i've been trying to make proper films in quote marks with uh, (laughs) you know production value and things but i haven't had any money and then it's only really this year that i've gone found footage is like literally one of my favorite genres in horror i love it because it lives or dies on how clever and inventive it is and you can see on screen how much work or not work people have put into, like if you, all the be- all the examples of my favourite films and yours too, have got a complete mythology and backstory that's developed by the actors and the directors and it's planned, and they've spent a lot of time making a world that they drip feed you bit by bit by bit, and that's when it works amazingly when the legends there and then you're just like drip feeding you know bits of it. Absolutely, man. I mean, I, and I love the fact. I think we've we found each other. Probably the the only two horror fans who you know 
wear their love of fan footage on their sleeve because it is still so bashed and yeah but hey yeah i mean having made one um it really was difficult after especially the editing stage of it and and you know like we can go into that later but it was really difficult to go back to normal narrative films after oh, okay. after having done a fan footage oh, because i i loved how much like in post i could just like mess up with the image yeah. glitches messing it up and have thematic reasons for doing it yeah um and for me that was such a big part of it that yeah you know then having to you know not being allowed to do that uh, was was like really kind of hampering me and I, I kind of felt well there was this bunch of skills and I spent like about a year and a half on post-production on, on curb corners because I really went down the rabbit hole of you know messing up the image and different tricks and stuff like this and this this was all in Premiere Pro you know there was a few plugins I got but you know I wasn't you know sticking anything in after effects at a time um so then yeah when it came to you know doing traditional films again i was kind of like oh yeah i can't i can't do that effect which worked really well to kind of suggest you know the weird dislocation of characters and stuff like that so yeah it's it's one of those ones that's got a special bit in my heart and last year we did um well no actually earlier this year we did um the web series disconnected yeah, yeah. which was again pretty close to found footage and i would i would argue is found footage in, in a way yeah um and being able to yeah like reintroduce some of those kind of glitch effects and everything and have it for particular reasons and also you know when we want to cheat and hide a cut that's quite nice that's as well the, that's the new freedom that i'm very much i'm editing my latest yeah. thing which is found yeah. footage at the moment i shot it oh, fab. two three weeks ago and being able to just jump cut or put a roll of static in and then just cut out. Usually my bad acting, I can just cut straight over my part and go back to the actor, the proper actors, you know, because I'm the cameraman in it and I'm like... But yeah, I'm just in the point now where I'm just starting to find those freedoms. And I'm realising I can rewrite the film in the edit, which is really nice because I, I wrote a lot of stuff. Also, I, I ran it a lot more free on the day. We only shot one day and... We shot everything that was scripted, but it was basically page oneers at a time. So it'd be like you act a whole page in a oneer, and then you whip pan out, and you act the next page and whip pan out to to give you cut points. Some of them worked, and some of them didn't quite work as well as I planned for them to work. But we also shot like improvised interviews and Im- improvised, like uh, just walking around and like walk and talks and things like that. So I've got a bunch of extra stuff, and now that what I'm finding difficult is I really, really want to get to the scary stuff way too quickly because I love it. Like I did, uh, like the end of the Blair Witch remake where it's a ride and you're going through it in you know, and there's doors slamming and there's ghosts coming at you and there's whip pans to hide all the cuts. Um, but the the hardest part for me is the early on stuff when it's just people chatting and things. Because what I didn't realize and what I do realize now is all the scenes that are successful in found footage films when they're in the drama stage land. Like, even if you watch, like, The American Office, at the end of a scene, they'll land it with, like, Jim looking at camera, like, oh, these guys, you know? They'll they'll ground it with something. Yeah. It'll either end on a question or, like, they'll land it. And I didn't do that enough, I don't think. But that's... You, you learn it's, as you go. Yeah, that, that's a difficult one. And one of the tricks I found was actually cutting it earlier than was written. So, you know, like, we'd have a couple lines of dialogue 
and yeah it, it is the usual like advice you have in a scene isn't it you know you like get in late and leave early in a scene um and i found that worked in found footage much more than than you know other other films i've worked on in the past so you know that that might be a trick worth looking at yeah but um yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i mean in terms of found footage it, it's a great one everybody kind of says oh it's, it's easier to make i would say it's absolutely not easier to make it might be cheaper yeah but then i've always worked in low budget so i you know i can't really say technically otherwise. it's easier to shoot but i still had problems hiding mics and i still had problems uh blocking things when i was playing a cameraman with me yeah. it was just me and one actor and then yeah. extras uh, doing kind of creepy things on cue but i still had to run it through a camera quite a few times and i was still trying to light stuff and hide lights and it wasn't i think i think the thing about it is it's easier to make which is why amazon prime is full of found footage films made by people for no money but then it's hard to get right which is why people slate it so much because they watch 25 and only like five are really good i think i was lucky i think i think back in 2013 the ones that i was able to get hold of like i there weren't enough absolute stinkers that i actually uh, managed to watch um, <laughs> there, there were a couple which didn't land for me and i you know again we kind of made a no negativity rule so i'm not going to name them but there were a few which were like well thought of by by other you know other filmmakers other reviewers yeah. and i kind of watched and i went yeah it, it wasn't landing for me yeah. um but uh, you know I, I absolutely take that on board maybe i wasn't in the right headspace for it Okay, no. so let's let's go into the main bit then yeah, of um, if we start with our old picks. So, so Tom, if you want to go first, mate, what is your old pick? Okay, so my old isn't that old. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, to be fair, it's a relatively new subgenre, isn't it? Yeah, you know, it's so not like think... you know they were doing it back in like the silent days or yeah, the so it doesn't have to be nineteen thirties old. Okay, so my old one is Creep. Um, I was going to go Cannibal Holocaust. I was going to go Blair Witch One, and then I was like. Let me just cheat a little bit and bend it just a touch and go, okay, old is, you know, 10, 20 years old, perhaps. I don't even know how old it is, actually. But, yeah, Creep, uh, the Patrick Bryce made. Um, I can't, what's the name of the main guy? Do you know, do you know the guy? Oh, God. It's the, I, it's the I, I should do. brothers, right? It's either Jay or... I think it's Mark. It's, I Mark, think it's Mark, so it's Mark to Yeah. Yeah, Jay's the director, isn't he? Um, yeah, so it's a similar setup to what I just talked about making, where the director is the cameraman. And he's doing a bit of acting himself and he uh, just goes to meet meet this guy, um, I think, through an ad. And then things just get creepier, which is why it's called Creep. But yeah, it's a really amazing um, exercise in like how to take a really simple idea and really slowly ramp it up in the weirdness scale. But what I love about it is how slowly he just starts by just saying offhanded comments that you're like, OK, that was a bit weird, but you probably wouldn't leave. That's the other thing I love about Creep is... It's aware, it's aware of the fact that one, why would you keep the camera rolling? And two, why wouldn't you just get out of there? You would just get in the car and drive away. So that's the main problem with a lot of found footage stuff is you need an excuse to keep the camera rolling. You need an excuse to keep somebody there filming the thing. And they do that really well. And he, he gives him opportunities. He gets out where he could make a decision, you know? And every point where he stays and keeps documenting what's happening is him making a bad decision to stay there, you know, which is which is great because that's what you want, isn't it? Like you want people to be making decisions. So yeah, I just thought, as far as um, as far as like slightly newer found footage stuff goes, and stuff that took the former and then 
just did it in a really smart way without trying to be too crazy about it. You know, the story's simple, the locations are simple, it's it, like, but the amount of really good takes he got, like the acting's amazing, so like Mark Duplass is amazing, and it, there's a sequel which is as good, maybe even better, I only didn't pick it just because I thought Creep would be a better introduction, but the sequel is also amazing, and there's a really good uh, actor in that as well with Mark, and I just, I just think for keeping stuff simple and nailing like the conventions of the genre without being really cheesy and boring about it, but trying to bring something new to it. And at the time, updating it, you know, to kind of a bit more of a modern, like somebody documenting somebody for posterity. And then in the second one, somebody documenting someone for a YouTube series. I thought that was good. At the time, it was quite modern. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, mate. And I think what I loved about, yeah, I've seen both. Um, what I love about both of the films is it is performance led, isn't it? Yeah. It's very much the script and the actors and there's, there's not really much else there. You know, it is really about, as you say, like the slow burn where you kind of realize that this character is unhinged, but it's such a slow journey. Um, and I think it works because of Mark Duplass. Cause like I've seen him in other stuff and he can be quite a charming, you yeah. know, funny guy. Yeah. And I think it's one of those things that sometimes comedians make the best villains or the best monsters. Yeah. Um, and there's other examples out there. Um, and yeah, it's absolutely, yeah, there's just like a masterclass really in acting. Nice yeah. liney treads between being really upbeat and happy and friendly, but also really creepy at the same time. And it, it, when he's being when he's being that nice, but he's saying something that is a bit suspect, that you're not sure what his intentions are with it, but he's so lovely about it the whole time. It's, and, and what, you know, even as things unfold and it does get darker, he's still really polite about everything, which I love, he's so nice. He's just like, oh, you know, this is how it is. It's, it's gonna be great. <laughs> so definitely, if you haven't seen Creep, then watch Creep, it's amazing. Watch one and two back to back. Yeah, I and, and I agree. I actually prefer two to one. Yeah, I mean, but I couldn't. I couldn't tell you why. I, whether it's because it builds off the top of you know the mythology that was created in number one, maybe, um, and it's a bit more meta with what happened. You know, with yeah. what happens with one. I maybe. think she's so good. I, th I yeah. what I think about two is he he find he meets his match in her in in her confidence and how she is or whatever, and also they get an actor that's so good that she's at the same level because the first one is just the director, which he's still a good actor, um, but not as good as Mark. And then when you put somebody in 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 the, the ring with him in the second one and she's on the same level and she's standing up um, and there's a little bit of a head-to-head -head going on, then it gets really interesting, I think, because yeah. yeah, he's running point. the show in the first one pretty much, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, yeah, no, good point, good point. And, I mean, there, there was always supposed to be a Creep 3, so... Oh, really? um, yeah, yeah. Originally, it was always supposed to be part of a trilogy. So I, I am hoping they kind of, yeah, finish the trilogy and, and see what it is. Yeah. But it's been a few years now. So, yeah, fingers crossed that that'll still happen. I would happen. love but, that, man. Yeah, absolutely good pick. No, I, I, I absolutely encourage anybody who hasn't seen it. Uh, I think they're both on Netflix still, aren't they? Yeah, they so, are. Uh, the, the, there is another film called Creep, which is something on the London Underground, which is also a good film. But, I remember yeah, that the one. one yeah. The one you're looking for is The Creep on Netflix, if you haven't seen it. Definitely. So what was your old pick, man? So my old pick is going right back, so not quite as early as Cannibal Holocaust, but uh, Man Bites Dog. Um, and th this kind of goes to one of the questions we've been having a back and forth on is, you know, are, are certain films found footage or are they kind of mockumentaries? 
Um, and you, you, like my call on it, and although like I like to think myself as a bit of a purist, is if we're going to accept the Blair Witch, which clearly was edited by somebody after they found the footage, because you know they're cutting between video and the sixteen millimeter black and white film. Oh yeah, yeah. Then, then you know, like I think for the sake of this show and you know like to classify things i think we can say that mockumentaries could be found footage as well yeah um certain rules i think still need to apply so we wouldn't say that you know this is spinal tap is found footage yeah but, you but know. if there is footage found in it then you can yeah. go cannibal holocaust is found footage or exactly yeah that that would be my argument and i yeah you know i i you know i i understand where people argue otherwise um but you know, I think if we were to be absolute purists, we're cutting out far too many of the yeah, of the films. Yeah. So yeah, so Man Bites Dog, technically maybe a mockumentary, um, but it's one of those films again. I saw oh god, probably when I was like fifteen or sixteen, um, and again it was yeah trying to find all this ultra violent movies and stuff like this. And I watched this one, and at the time, like I was not disappointed, but the humour the really pitch black humor really threw me because I wasn't expecting the humor mm. to be there. Like I read like about it in, you know, some movie magazine and I was just like, Oh my God, that sounds so dark. You know, you know, a documentary crew follow around, a you know, serial killer, yeah. you know, like messed up guy. Um, and I think because at the time I knew I wanted to be a filmmaker and I'd made shitty little things on like, you know, like high eight uh, camcorders. So much of the humor from that is about filmmaking itself now have you seen man bites dog did you? yeah i i saw i'd seen bits of it mm. when i was younger and i watched it again on friday ready for this because yeah. i was like oh, yeah man, i haven't seen that for ages i'd only seen little bits of it anyway and it was brutal man i still found it shocking yeah. watching it now just mostly in the way it, it just hard cuts to mm. like people getting shot in the face <laughs> and it's cut yeah. really like the kills are cut so fast at times you're exactly like, i mean the, yeah like there's a bit where he's like playing with uh, some kids with a toy gun that's and he's the dressed as the postman me. yeah and and there's then this really fast cuts montage where loads of people get shots like yeah rapidly and in any other film each of those individual shots would be a set piece yeah um, seriously but clearly, that's not what they're interested in. They are interested in some sort of commentary on, you know, violence in today's society. And bearing in mind, this was 1992. Mm. If anything, I'd say this film's probably more relevant now than it was back in 1992. Um, but yeah, there, there's just so many shocking things. And there's so many bits where the main character, Benoit, um, who's actually also one of the directors, it's very much like a Blair Witch setup where the, you know, like there's three guys directing it. Uh, one, the cameraman, one, the director in the film is also the director and then benoit the the killer is also one of the directors oh, cool. he, he's making these jokes and then boom something absolutely savage will happen um and gradually the film crew become more and more complicit in it um and there's bits where like you know they he asks them to like hold down the kid as he kills the kid and i'm like jesus christ yeah at the time but he's just made a joke about it or later on he makes a joke about you know little bastard and all of this kind of stuff and you're like am i supposed to be laughing or not yeah, yeah. um and there's other bits yeah and again as a filmmaker there's bits where you know like I, i've made some behind the scenes stuff and unfortunately kind of got a bit involved in the shoot because you know uh, there's bits that i connect with um and there's it's just really amazingly dark um <laughs> but at the same time you kind of wonder 
what were they thinking at the time? Because it seems so far ahead of its time. Um, and, and there are bits, you know, like questions about, you know, the media and impartiality um, and accusations of glorifying violence, which are, are quite common now. Um, and to, to, you know, kind of hear those questions being asked back in 1992, uh, which was around about the time of the Gulf War. So it was just like, Jesus Christ, you know, like how forward thinking was this? Um, but yeah, just in terms of the, re- the resources they had, they, sh- they shot on film. Um, it's beautiful it, as well. It looks like an yeah. art film because it's yeah. anything shot in France in black and white is immediately mm. the most beautiful arty thing ever. I think because I love La Haine so much. Mm. Anything black and white and in France, I want to see. Mm. But yeah. Yeah, I started watching it and I was like, wow, this is so beautiful like so yeah. so amazingly nicely shot yeah. and like what i don't know if it was triax or whatever they're using but the contrast is amazing and mm-hmm. the amount of grain is amazing and i was just yeah. like it's so gorgeous which it, i think adds to the shocking yeah and but all of all of that is out of necessity i mean i, I watched a couple of uh, interviews with them you know like about making it and basically they they had to make it in stops and starts but because it was like a, a mockumentary that actually kind of helped the format so there'd be like you know like months and months had gone by before they could afford to shoot again. So they buy um, film, shoot the role, and then save uh, it for the next role. Yeah, basically. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> that's cool. So I mean, it's a, a you know, and again, this was before you know how to make found footage films. You know, there was no book about it. Yeah, the the only previous example really that would have been well known would have been Cannibal Holocaust, um, and they weren't really following that playbook um that yeah. much you know so yeah i mean if you guys haven't checked out man bites dog absolutely check it out um so many great stories about it i'm not sure actually if there's a, a really decent blu-ray out there if not you know like um yeah we, we need to speak to some of our people we know who put out uh yeah blu-rays uh, about putting something out because yeah. uh with a yeah, documentary man- as well it's so ahead of his time Okay, uh, so Tom, what have you got as your new pick for the horror uh, for the found footage subgenre? All right, so my new pick is is Lake Mungo, Australian uh, fake documentary. It is it includes found footage that they have found, but it is a it's a it's a documentary. It's presented as a documentary and it's cut together. Um, basically through interviews with a family and people connected to a family after their daughter dies. Um, It's really hard to talk about it without giving away anything, so I don't want to say too much about it, but I watched it, I'd heard a lot about it, and I'd looked up a lot of lists uh, just looking for found footage stuff, I think maybe like last year, the year before, and it was always in the top five or top ten of everyone's found footage films ever, and I was like, I have to see this film. And it finally came on Shudder, I think, last year. Um, and I got to watch it, and the first time I saw it is the last... It's, geez, it must be the last like 10, 15 years. It's, it's the first time in the last 10, 15 years that I've been genuinely scared as an adult, you know, like they were because re- I watch horror like most days, and I'm I'm always thinking about it. And I'm writing it and I'm making it. You know, you can once you learn like how the rides work. You're not so scared of the rides. You know what I mean? Like you, you yeah, know yeah. what's going on behind and how it's structured. So it really took me by surprise because I watched it going, okay, this is supposed to be a good film. Um, my girlfriend had gone to bed. I sat there and watched it by myself. I was I was so fucking scared after watching this film. I'd like. 11 at night literally i was like going to bed scared i felt like a kid it was crazy um and because 
the way it presents it all is completely kind of stone-faced and, and really genuine. And there were so many twists and turns in it that as soon as you get a handle on what's going on and you think, okay, this is this is this seems to be what's going on, they throw something at you that changes the narrative again. Yeah. And they yeah. do that probably about three or four times throughout the whole thing. So you never quite know what's going on. And what what starts as kind of a bit of a sad investigative documentary ends up being a really scary um a really scary film for a while and then kind of a almost like an esoteric kind of meaning of life uh, you know time doesn't unfold linearly you know because it kind of cuts between time frames as well and there's definitely some kind of like exploration of even though things are unfolding in a line for us because that's how time unfolds for us, mm. there are ways you can tap into seeing before and, you know, ahead, like into the future and things. And the way they do that, especially towards the end of the film, where they're cutting between interviews with people, talking about the same thing, but in two different points of time, and they're both seeing it from two different point of views, uh, it's it's just really really interesting and really really scary and it reminds me of being I don't know like fifteen or something and being in school and just like googling ghost photos and you know you'd see like the old man sitting in the back of the car behind the couple and they're like there's loads of famous like there's a girl on the stairs like looking for ghosts in the background of photos I remember they used to make them they, there was one with a bunch of people at a party and underneath their legs was a little little girl that was gray um, i remember that one do you yeah. remember that one i remember yeah. staring at that for ages and then the moment when you see her you get shivers and you're just like oh you know you get that sinking feeling lake mungo does that very very well it shows you yeah. photographs or or it does it in live footage as well actually sometimes you'll catch things and sometimes you won't and it'll show it to you afterwards similar to watching the haunting hell house and you would be like ah there was someone there the whole time someone watching or whatever it also does the ghost photography thing really well and it really brutally slowly pulls in on the scary part and you can't look away. and i love the way it forces the audience to not look away as it slowly pulls in towards what's terrifying you know no, absolutely, mate. Um, yeah, I think I only saw it about a year ago um, because it came out after when I was doing the binge before, you know, when I was doing it as part of pre-production for Curb Callers. And I had a bit of a break from found footage because, you know, when you <laughs> when you binge watch something, then you just need a break, don't you? I know it's exactly the same when I made zombie films, you know, like I couldn't watch zombie films for about two years afterwards. So, yeah, it was only about a year ago. Um, I, I, I caught up with Lake Mungo. Um, and what I loved about it was it absolutely, and it goes back to the point you're making about this non-linear storytelling, but it does it in this like true crime documentary thing that we've all seen. Like if you watch those shitty uh, Netflix true crime documentaries, it'll tell you a story and then about half hour in, it, it will reveal a new bit of information which will force you to go back to the beginning and re-examine everything that you've thought about the characters every assumption you've already made and i absolutely love that because again yeah i i you're right i don't want to give too many spoilers but i think one of the things it does really well is it presents itself starting off as kind of like a paranormal type you know fake documentary thing and you're kind of like okay that's that's great that's it and then just as soon as you're starting to think that you figured it out it does a twist and i'm not going to say any more than that but it does a massive twist and it just then keeps on revealing new bits of information in a non-linear fashion 
almost in reverse chrono uh, you know like chronological order and like you said yeah there's 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 a couple of revelations towards the end where you're kind of reforced to to think about everything that you've been presented in light of these new revelations and it becomes so much more than um yeah like a paranormal uh thing it, it becomes more about you know like um i was gonna say american but she says australian isn't it but everything about the nuclear family you know and the assumptions that you make about that um and you know what actually it, it, it got, almost goes back to like this lynching thing about like you know the rot that's been there beneath the the veneer of the yeah, normal suburban, suburban family yeah exactly mate um and yeah it, it, it landed with me absolutely i don't think i was as spooked out by it but it definitely stayed with me in kind of like gut punch and, and the the last couple of re revelations just stayed with me um that yeah I, I still think about the film now so yeah, yeah no, absolutely good call and they earn they earn absolutely everything every every moment is scary they really carefully and slowly earn it which i love there's only one jump scare in the whole thing which i love as well you know they're not relying on anything cheap to scare you or make you jump or whatever it's not like a popcorn cinema movie necessarily it's a nice slow creepy one that just kind of seeps in and then just fills you with unease which i like i love that it's amazing yeah good call <laughs> do you know if that's still on shudder it is yeah I watched excellent it this yeah weekend. and i think um and i'll talk more about it later but i think it's also out on a really nice blu-ray from second sight um and i think phil escott who uh of fractured visions he put out a really uh he, he did some of the extras i'm not sure if he was the producer on it but he definitely put out some really nice extras on that so definitely worth checking that out as well okay so then my new choice is 2020's host by rob savage so again it's the the zoom feature shot during lockdown um and again going back to the blair witch thing they marketed it so well like one of the greatest things about Blair Witch, like you, like you were saying, mate, the website, the book, all of this kind of stuff is the marketing around that made it kind of like a sensation. And for 2020, uh, especially when we were all stuck in lockdown, the, the fact that these guys just got off their ass and actually made a feature film over Zoom where, you know, the rest of us were still trying to figure out how to just use Zoom, you know, in a day-to-day -day yeah, basis yeah. was amazing. Um, it inspired me 100 percent uh you know that you know it, it's a format that can be done separate from the the typical found footage uh thing it reignited my love for found footage but it's it's a very different kind of beast to the traditional moving camera found footage you know with with that you know you're locked off you're, you're on the static shot so all movement has to be you know uh from the actors within there unless you know you're shooting uh, you know they're, they're shooting on a mobile phone on on zoom which some of the characters in this do as well um yeah it just in terms of the making of as well uh i'm a friend of dan martin who's the makeup artist on this and he, he's worked on many many other films but obviously this was you know an absolutely different way because he was teaching the actors in rehearsals how to do their own special effects makeup oh, really? on themselves um because you know they were absolutely abiding by you yeah. know bubbles and all, all of yeah, this as, yeah. as we were done so he was giving them tutorials about how to you know put makeup on um have you have you seen host yeah i i loved it i watched it completely cold i actually didn't watch it for a while because i thought it was a teenage slasher movie right so i'd seen i would was going on shadow and i was seeing host all the time it was on the main screen and i saw like a teenage girl and i was like yeah whatever man and then uh 
as soon as I read that it was found footage, I was like, okay, I'll give it a go then. Because like, yeah, like <laughs> usual, we are the opposite. And most people, I'll see found footage and be like, oh, cool. <laughs> so I put it on just literally knowing nothing about it and not seeing any trailers just because it was found footage. And it was terrifying. It was awesome. And like, like, like you said, man, like just have just having one camera, just looking at someone's bedroom, as soon as you get used to seeing what you're seeing, as soon as anything changes in that view, it just becomes so much scarier. And they, and they do a lot of really classic horror things. They just have a really nicely lit teenage girl's bedroom and they just open a door to a dark hallway behind it and you're just watching the darkness yeah. the whole time, just going, when's, you know what I mean? What's coming out of mm-hmm. here? Is she, please don't go down the dark hallway. So, <laughs> I loved it, man. I thought it was really clever. I thought, yeah, amazing. And and there were bits of it where you kind of think you've got it pegged and you think it's going to be, you know, like all suspense and nothing else, but it's surprisingly gory. There's some yeah. real nasty, violent moments in it where you're like, oh, I don't want to see that. Yeah. Um, I watched it on the laptop, which again, I would say is the perfect way to oh, watch cool. it because yeah, it kind yeah. of, <laughs> it replicates. I, I watched it in a dark room um, on a laptop by myself downstairs. Uh, and there's a few films like this where, that's absolutely the way you should watch it because yeah. it, you know, it replicates your desktop. So, you know, and again, they completely commit to the, you know, the facade of the Zoom meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it does it so well. Absolutely so well. Um, I don't want to say too much because again, quite a few people won't have watched it. Yeah, I, I agree with you. The um, the thumbnail art on Shudder and that they used as, as the, the post or whatever isn't great. Um, and I think, yeah, as you say, it kind of suggests it's going to be a different kind of film than what it ends up being. Uh, but yeah, definitely worth checking out Host. Um, yeah, really good stuff. He's, his follow-up film is called Dashcam, which, again, he's, you know, I'm guessing is the Dashcam on the, on the car. Uh, again, found footage style, so obviously he's not sick of the, the, the format yet. And again, I know Dan Martin's worked on it. Uh, haven't seen it yet absolutely cannot wait to see what what he does with that and it goes back to i think one of the great things about found footage is the restrictions um as filmmakers that we have you know the idea that you know it's a single camera you know you can't cut away unless the cameraman is motivated to cut you know so why would why would the cameraman cut or why would the cameraman keep rolling you know so those have to have like yeah um motivation behind them um, and I, I absolutely love the restrictions that it puts on filmmakers and, and the clever ways they can kind of overcome that. Uh, I thought Zoom did that so, so well because of the format. You know, it ends because it's the length of a Zoom call, you know, um, you know the free Zoom call, which is like 60 minutes or whatever. Boom, it ends there. And it's then, real time uh, as well, is it? Does it unfold in real time? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I can't remember. I did watch, they did, if you get the iTunes download, and I'm sure this is the case if you buy the blu-ray of it as well um they did like plenty of rehearsals and everything but again i'm not sure whether it is there were some hidden cuts in there or not but again yeah in terms of yeah they were all in the room at the same time uh recording it so whether they they did multiple takes and stitched it together you know afterwards i I can't remember um but yeah it's one of the great things um about yeah just having these long takes you know much longer than you do in a traditional shot film is it's almost like a a theatrical experience as well Uh, and doing it as a director you know having done you know uh what do we do five of these like short films so not not feature length um it was brilliant just to kind of you know you've got the script you're happy with the script but then let the actors kind of add to it and build on it um and just let them go you know um and really when we were when we were doing disconnected unless there were technical difficulties we just let the actors you know 
do what they wanted with the script. And, you know, so much of the, our favorite stuff in that is stuff that they came up with, which just improved upon the script in ways that we wouldn't even have thought as the script writers. Yeah, yeah. Exactly so, the same with my experience with, with, with what I just did with Sarah, Sarah Louise Tyler, who was in one of yeah. your shorts yeah, when yeah, you yeah. did that. I did a read through with her, for me more than anything, just to get used to it. And already, you know, in the first read through, she was reading lines the way I'd written them without me. You know, she already knew what I was going for and, and how we were going to do it. And I love being able to block something through until it was right and then shoot a whole bunch of takes with everything rolling because all the sound all the sound stuff was hidden on her it was more hassle to cut and cut the audio between takes than it was to just keep it rolling and do five takes for five yeah. minutes or whatever it was yeah. i had a nightmare trying to organize all the sound afterwards but yeah. about, <laughs> but as far as shooting goes it's weird how setting yourself a, a a really thin parameter to work in with a set of conventions that you have to adhere to to make to make it work gives you this freedom that you don't have if you have too many variables it's really yeah. especially for me because i overcomplicate everything when i make films and i want things to be bigger and i want them to be crazy and i want to be ott so mm. having a really strict like framework to work in gives me like it reigns me in without yeah. having yeah. a producer <laughs> it's good I, absolutely, mate. I, I can't say too much because I've signed an NDA, but I, all I will say is I'm, I'm working on like a motion capture thing. And the problem with that is there are just too many options. There, there aren't enough restrictions for me, you know, and I come from a low budget background. So having something where literally the camera can move in any way I can imagine or things can look in any way I imagine. I, I struggle, mate. I, I love, I mean, at the same time, I was doing these um, the, the Zoom web series and I absolutely love the restrictions in place. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite ones has Sarah Louise in it. Um, it's called Rhymes with Oven. And again, you know, it's one of those concepts where it's like the ordinary meets the extraordinary, smashes up together. Mm. Um, but you could only do it as a Zoom thing um, because, you know, the payoff absolutely works. We, we screamed it at uh, Chapter Movie Maker, which is like a local screening night last month. Um, and I had, you know, it was great to actually hear people gasp and oh, jump bro. at the at the the the, the payoff um and it was brilliant to be able to go back to the actors uh who couldn't make it because like you know like tickets were sold out straight away and just say you absolutely nailed it thank you so much um and it, it's great having that experience when it's something that is so, you know there are so many restrictions you don't know when you start doing this is this going to work or not yeah um and, and you, you also know, know the audience is either up for it or has dismissed it as soon as you hit play which exactly. I like. I really like people going, oh, great, it's found footage and rolling their eyes. And then be like, yeah, but there's characters in there. There's story yeah. in there. There's, yeah. You know, it's not just a bunch of jump scares. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think one of, one of the, the, the comments was, you know, um, before the, 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 the film screened is, oh, yeah, another, another Zoom one, you know, like a year later from everybody, after everybody had done them. And absolutely, yeah, you know, I'm always fashionably late to <laughs> a subgenre when it turns up. And it was the same when we did a, a found footage thing you know it was at, at the the end of the the peak of the initial found footage like thing after the you know paranormal activities and all of those yeah so uh yeah for it to land and everything was was just great experience and winning people over on that yeah no absolutely yeah bro okay dude so what is your obscure pick of the found footage subgenre my obscure is the houses the october built um i always get i think i said that right that time i always get i think so mate. there's yeah. uh there's a few 
there's a few Halloween themed Octobery uh, found footage films like that and there's also a lot of films on Prime with a really similar poster and this is one of those films it's like a creepy house in the autumn kind of thing um, mm. I watched it completely randomly not again not knowing it was found footage I just heard of it it sounded cool and it was like about scare events on Halloween and I was like yeah I'm more than up for that because I'd seen what's the, what's the haunt Haunt, Haunt is yeah. really good, yeah. man. And uh, Hellfest was pretty good as well, I think. Uh, yeah. That's, that's yeah. worth checking out. So as soon as I knew it was about that, I was like, yeah, I have to see it. And I was really, really surprised at how good it was, to be honest. I, again, it's it's when you get a found footage right, it's always a really simple idea done really well. And the idea that um, a group of people in an RV are uh, travelling around to do these scare attractions for Halloween and they're doing a whole bunch on the lead-up to Halloween... Um, and then ranking them and kind of uh, vlogging about it. But they kind of, well, obviously it doesn't go completely to plan, otherwise, <laughs> but I can't give away. Otherwise you know. it, would, it wouldn't be a horror film. Yeah, no. so I won't give away what, what doesn't go to plan, but it ends up being like pretty interesting. And again, I'd, it wasn't like, it wasn't like the most technically amazing film, but the acting's solid enough to, to keep you to keep you locked in there. And because you've got that like built-in production value of it's autumn, everything's beautiful, it's Halloween, everyone's in costume. You don't know who's in costume and friendly and who's in costume and out to get you, which is a really nice like they play on that a little bit in there. Um mm. and the setting of an RV as well is really nice because Every time they stop and camp out at night with a little fire, they're surrounded by darkness and you don't know what's around them. And every time they go to bed, they're all together. And, there's, you know, if they're hearing noises outside, then they're in the middle of nowhere. And also, you know, your location's moving every day. So because they're traveling every every day is like a new location and a new haunted house or whatever, they must have actually found however many, eight, nine haunt mm -hmm. attractions to actually go to. I haven't seen them making off, but, yeah, they, it, like, logistically, it's, that's what also impressed me, really, was, like, logistically, these guys are, like, they've got the actors, they've got the RV, they've set it all up or whatever, but they've driven across America to find all these places, and they've, they've got all these people, presumably, to sign some kind of agreement to say they can be in the film, because they've shot... Like mm. a doc, you know, they've really shot it like like a documentary. Apart from the bits they'd set up, which is amazing and very cleverly, all the bits that they set up are shot slightly out the way or in locations they can control so there's no actual public there to freak out for what's going on. But yeah, really good one, man. Worth worth checking out. Like that is a popcorn movie, just a just a bit of fun. Yeah, definitely, man. No, that was my um first time watch. So when you mentioned it, I was like haven't heard of it haven't heard of it at all oh, cool. so I, I i found it on prime video it's it's weird though you can type in the houses that october built and it will take you to uh something called the house of halloween which is the film okay. so it's on prime video as the house of halloween <laughs> which is really confusing and yeah as you say on prime video there's like almost identical um thumbnail art where it's like oh is this the right one but i did a bit of research made sure i was watching the right film and i loved the concept because the concept of these guys trying to find the most extreme haunted house attractions that they can leads it to you've got this question then is are people just trying to scare them or are people actually unhinged and trying to harm them mm -hmm. and it walks a really fine line a few times and at, 
because we know, we know as an audience member we know it's a film we know it's a horror film every time they go to a new attraction you're like oh is this the attraction that's you know mm. gonna mess them up or whatever mm. and it plays it so well and there were bits then obviously where there are recurring characters that kind of pop up through the film and it's like oh okay that's really nicely done that's really well so it walks that line that tension between you know are they being scared because that's the purpose of the haunted house or you know are they actual in danger so well that yeah i was fully on board mate i think the one negative i I would say about it and i'm you know not going to be too negative was you know the characters were kind of annoying and i get that's kind of the point because obviously then they rub up the you know people running the attractions the wrong way but it did then make it difficult for me to kind of care about some of their you know some of their fates a little bit if so if there was a if there was more of a solid, like a lead you could focus on as well, it would be good. I think the group thing, the group things mm. are awesome, but do do a main protagonist first and then put them in the group. You know what I mean? Because there is yeah. like the annoying douchey guy, and there's a guy who wants to party and nag all the beers. And but like, yeah, if they focused on one person more, I think maybe just having like one person that you care about with some kind of other plot going on, they're on the journey to find these houses because. The dad might work on one, <laughs> you know. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Just something yeah. to like. I think, I, yeah, I need, I needed that hook, but yeah. uh, that's as negative as I'm going to be because, it, it as, as a horror film, as, as yeah, exactly, it's a popcorn movie. Mm. I, you know, for the runtime, I was fully on board with it. There were bits I was like genuinely on edge because I'm like, oh shit, they've said the wrong thing. There's, there's a bit early on where you know they're, they're sat around a campfire and one of the guys you know refers to the place as backwards <laughs> and, and one of the guys just goes i'm sorry what backwards and you're like oh shit is he gonna go down this he early on in the film? The guys. yeah <laughs> um but yeah perfect format great use of fan footage Have great you reason been for to one of those scare events nah 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 the closest we, we we get out here is yeah you know like um you know yeah just trick-or-treating in the valleys can be pretty scary yeah. so we'll leave it <laughs> they do them like i've i've I've, i was gonna go to one a few years ago i just missed one this year i was in uh the forest of dean and there was a huge one with like a pumpkin patch and like a full-on there was a corn maze there was like loads of amazing stuff and i got there the day after a shut (laughs) (laughs) it was like two days after no it was the day after halloween it's literally the day after halloween and uh, everything was closed and no one was still running anything i was like oh damn it man but i honestly as much as i love watching this stuff going to some really extreme scare event or whatever doesn't interest me anyway i don't even think it'd be nah. fun i'd just i'd just be like nah man <laughs> I, I i think i think that comes with it's, it's the same with watching you know all this extreme ultra violent stuff you go through a phase of it as a teenager and either it sticks with you yeah. and, and, and you want to keep doing it or you're kind of like yeah you know what i've explored all of that i'm, I'm ready to move on i'm, not, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the same man i'm i'm yeah like you know extreme haunted houses nah to be honest mate i'm, I'm like 40 now just going out trick-or-treating in the cold that's enough yeah, for me. i'm not an <laughs> adrenaline guy man i'm a stay-at-home uh, guy no nah, exactly mate I, i've got kids so i've got to go take them out <laughs> trick-or-treating but i make sure i plan my costume really well so i know it's going to be warm yeah <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know i'm going to be able to see one year I, I did the traditional you know like ghost with the, the bed sheet and that was a nightmare mate because it was dark as it was i couldn't see clearly out the eye holes so yeah that was the one and only year i'll ever do the traditional ghost (laughs) costume uh my obscure pick then is from 2012 directed by howie askins it's evidence so this was part of my binge watch uh that i did when i was in pre-production on curb crawlers just watching 
everything I could get my hands on. This I hadn't heard about anything about it before. Um, and for the first 40 minutes, it was fine. It was okay. It was like four guys in the woods, you know, uh, one of which was the camera person. Um, and things start to go wrong a bit for them on their trip and they start to bicker. It was it was okay, you know. And then there's just, it's like almost right at the halfway point. And I, I don't want to do too many spoilers, but right for the last 40 minutes of the film, it's just absolutely intense, non-stop action sequence. Um, and like considering how low-key the start of the film is, you absolutely aren't expecting where it ends up and like just how mental it goes into these weird intense crazy places um even even the end credits of the film did you yeah. did you stay through and watch yeah, all of the end credits yeah. even that is pretty you also <laughs> don't expect around. it to go where it's going with the budget level is that so it starts at a budget exactly. level and you're like okay they have no money yeah. so they're in the woods with a camera i've been there i'm still there yeah. now <laughs> yeah. and then yeah. when it ramps up you're like oh okay <laughs> yeah I mean, again, I don't think it was a. I'm, I'm, I'm friends with the director and the producer, and from what I understand, they don't really get along. But I'll leave it at that. Um, but I don't think that I, I don't think they had a huge amount of money anyway. So what they did use absolutely is on camera. You know, like um, I don't really want to say so, but some of the locations that they end up in were just very smart use of locations um, and the effects as well. And what I love about it is like even even all the way through the film, you're not quite sure what it is they're facing. Um, and by the end credits, like you've got some ideas of maybe what it is. Um, but you can, you know, like read into it however you want because of the found footage, you know, they, they're not doing hard and fast answers, at least. Um, there was talk about the sequel. Uh, obviously, this is 2012 was the first one. So I don't think, unfortunately, we're ever going to see a sequel. Uh, but yeah, it, it was one of these ones that, yeah, I just don't hear talked about at all. I haven't um, heard of it before. Before you mentioned it, I'd never heard of it. And even when I looked it up, there were a few different films with the same name from around the mm. same time. So I was like, which yeah, one is it? Yeah, there's there's one later on, uh, which I think is 2013, which is, again, just, it, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, if you can try track down the 2012, uh, directed by Howie Askins, uh, Evidence, it, it, it's a thrill ride. Um, and that last 40 minutes, yeah, you're absolutely sucked into it. You're absolutely buying the premise. Um, it does some great stuff, which I absolutely stole for Curb Crawlers in terms of <laughs> messing up the footage. But there's there's reasons for it. And, and, and the justification we did in Curb Crawlers is that when they start coming into contact with the supernatural element or whatever, it affects the supernatural effects like the electromagnetic field of the camera. So that's why stuff gets distorted, which also then helps when you're hiding the effects cuts. So, yeah, exactly. You know. <laughs> and it's nice when you can do a cue for the audience as if it starts rolling yeah. or dropping yeah. out a little bit, you're like, oh, okay, it's about yeah, to go down. It. I, I do quite like that. Like I, I, I know when people are doing it, but I still yeah. enjoy that it's being done to me. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Shit, I think if you, if you know it and well enough to actually use it as an effect in itself, then great. Yeah. Cause you're queuing the audience up for something. So yeah, definitely. So yeah, evidence. Uh, yeah. Check it out guys. I think you can get pretty cheap DVD copies for it. It's been like re-released by a bunch of real low budget distributors or whatever. Um, but yeah, definitely worth checking and out. And persevere um, with the first 40 minutes because yeah. it does start a bit slow and it, the acting doesn't seem quite amazing and the characters mm -hmm. aren't quite amazing. There's a film that Bobcat Goldthwait did called Willow Creek. That's a, yeah. a really, really good fan footage film and that gets 
it's almost the reverse of evidence where the first 45 minutes are really, really good and the characters are really good and the scenes are perfectly shot, perfectly structured um, and the story stuff is brilliant. But then once they get to the woods, it's not quite as good. Whereas evidence is the opposite of that, where once okay. shit goes wrong, it yeah. gets good. I'm glad you, you mentioned Willow Creek because that was the film I was hinting at earlier, which didn't quite land for me for the, those exact same reasons, dude. Um, and the you scene know, is too long in the tent, man, when they're just freaking. Yeah. It's just, I get I get that it's intense, but it's too long. And they're such good actors. Yeah. They're amazing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely, mate. That's, that's exactly the bit where, and again, I kind of, after I watched it, I was just like, I don't get it. So I read loads of reviews and like, it, yeah, I understand why it landed for some people but it just didn't land for me so yeah. whether i wasn't in the right mo- mood or whatever yeah. or whether it's just you and me tom are the only people on the same way wavelength <laughs> i guess i think if you're thinking about making a fan footage film then definitely watch it to see the uh the cat the way the characters interact and the way they show you the um like the goal of what they're going after and then the inciting incident's really good and the way they interact with each other. And it's only a couple. There's only two people in it mm-hmm. and, the, and the way they give them problems and they have to solve them. And it's a really nice, a really nice build-up. One of the nicest build-ups I've seen in a fan footage film, I think. It just doesn't quite pay off afterwards. I tell you what does, yeah. though, is Exists. Have you seen Exists? I haven't. I haven't. That That is, on, again, I've got it on a watch list somewhere. But, it was made by know, one I, of the Blair Witch guys, I think. Oh, really? Oh, I didn't realise that. I can't oh, okay. remember which... I swear it was like Joshua Leonard. Could yeah, be. maybe it was Joshua Leonard, the guy who was like, you know, the long, yeah. the long-haired guy who who acted in it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he made it. I'm not 100. percent Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was uh, actually like Eduardo Sanchez made it. I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure it's one of the Blair Witch guys. Similar thing to Willow Creek. Similar to the setup of of yeah. evidence. But then it really pays off, and the build-up isn't as good. But the monsters are great, and they're like. The yeah, effects yeah. are great, and you see, you see, like you see monsters, which is great, and they look awesome, and they're huge, and there's loads of good gore effects. Like that's that's a really good. Yeah, I think again because I, I think that came out after 2013. I'm very picky oh, with did, my found footage. Yeah, because yeah, I, I just I, I overdid it, man. You know, I, I OD'd on found footage. <laughs> right, Tom. So, do you have any honourable mentions then that you want to kind of? throw out that people should check out all right so my honorable mentions is a list of films that i really wanted to have be my picks but i couldn't have be my picks. cool um, troll hunter was the other one that i nearly put instead of creep for my older film i think it was 2013 mm. 2012 mm-hmm. or something absolutely amazing partly because i love norway and i love nature and it's all shot in like the like the norwegian fjords and they're driving around these like amazing epic landscapes um but what blows me away about it is is how amazingly done all the creatures are, you know, and yeah. how how good the trolls look, <laughs> how good the hunter's character is, and folklore again. There's mythology, mm. yeah. there's folklore. There's an entire backstory for why the government is keeping this a secret and who the people are working for and how you can hide yourself from them and where they live and what they're doing. Somebody um, put a lot of effort into the research behind that film and, and the mm. folklore mm. Of, the, of the region and all this kind of stuff and then put it into this really, really fun, pretty much action found footage film, which is kind of why I didn't pick it because I was like, it's not kind, it's not really a horror, like it's kind of scary mm. in places, but not really. It's actually pretty funny. Mm. Um, yeah. But super fun film, really funny. Definitely watch Troll Hunter. Hell House LLC was the other one, which is uh, another I, you one know I saw on Shudder. I haven't seen, and I, I I don't know why I haven't seen it because it's been recommended so many times. So yeah, I need to get. I need to there's get there's three of them. 
just watch the first one. I'd say I've seen the other ones, they're fine, but they pretty much do the same thing. But the first one is really, really good. Um, definitely really scary and really worth watching. And then the other ones, Mr. Jones is good. Have you seen Mr. Jones? No, no, that's, no, no. I've heard of it. That's again, a good yeah. one too. That's that's a weird one. Similar thing, couple go to this retreat or whatever, and they accidentally find this reclusive artist who sells pieces they're like sculptures of, of people made out of branches. Mm. Really creepy. Uh, really creepy looking pieces of art. But he's supposed to be this uh, artist who who sells these things for loads of money, but no one's ever seen him or whatever. And they end up kind of renting a place next to where he lives and then investigate his uh, his his place. And, and there's an underground thing to it where he, where he makes art and stuff it's really really good and it's really um it's really intense like as far as like someone's walking around with a torch through an underground cavern and and you just don't know what's coming like that's most of the film but it's really really fun it's really good pretty much the same as as above so below if you've seen that in the catacombs yeah. of paris yeah. mm-hmm. you know once they get down there it's pretty much just someone walking around caverns with a torch but as above, so below has got a good little twist as well. It's got a nice little, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a nice little angle there. It's got on the stuff. And then the only other one was Gags the Clown, which I again Ooh, watched. Not even heard of. Completely no. cold. It was on Prime. I think I watched it accidentally because there's a <laughs> documentary about a clown, Wrinkles the Clown. Yeah, yeah, I, I've heard of that one. He's a, yeah. he's a creepy guy, man. Yeah. So I'd seen his doc, his film, really creepy. I'd actually, I was doing artwork last year and I drew him. I needed to draw a clown in one of the artworks. So I drew this guy, not knowing who he was. And I tagged him in it. And then he was just like, <laughs> he, he like messaged me way too much. And he was commenting on all the stuff. And he was like, you should do prints. You should send me a print. Like, and I was like, no, I'm not sending you anything. Like, he was he was way too intense and way too weird. And it kind of freaked me out a bit. And Gags the Clown has a similar cover to the Wrinkles the Clown documentary. But it is a found footage film. Um, but a really surprisingly well-made found footage film. Um, I think you can watch it on Prime in the UK now for free. And it's just... Uh, it's interviews. It's a news crew doing interviews. I think looking for this guy. There's been. It's one of those really good. Uh, there's been clown sightings around the place, and and they're, they're trying to work out who he is and what he's doing and why he's terrorising this one area or whatever it is. And they end up getting sucked into this really great kind of underbelly of this city that they're in in America. Yeah, it's a good one. Definitely worth watching. Brilliant. Great. I mean, that's why I love doing this show, man. Is because like the recommendations that you've had. Either I've checked them out because of the show, or you know I'm now going to go check them out as well. Uh, so yeah, no, good call, man, good call. Um, yeah, so some of my honourable mentions is uh, a good double bill to have with Man Bites Dog would be Be My Cat. Have you heard of this one? <laughs> I've I've heard of it and I've seen the poster and I, every time I see it I'm like, what is that? And I never watched yeah. it. Yeah, you'll still be asking, what is that afterwards? But yeah, it's a great fan footage film made by uh, as- aspiring director who's not quite all there. Mm. Um, and the, the concept of the video is it's kind of a pitch video sent to Anne Hathaway um, about why he wants her to come all the way over to Romania to make make this film. Um, and because it's a horror film, 
things don't go quite to plan. And I'll oh, just leave it at that. Amazing. It is really messed up. It's it's it yeah, like resides in a similar place to Man Bites Dog because it's a lot about yeah, filmmaking um and the intersection of like reality and not reality and you know um again it's very meta it's very yeah meta found footage filmmaking kind of thing so yeah definitely very intense as well so yeah be my cat great double bill with man bites dog um another one which i'm going to give a shout out to because i think it's it's one that i hadn't really heard of until i saw a documentary about found footage stuff but the mcpherson tape um which i think is on shudder now uh if i've got that right um really i think 1989 uh directed by dean aliotto really well done uh alien abduction movie um the same director also then remade it as a tv movie which you can find somewhere out there on the internet uh called alien abduction instant in lake county um i prefer the original mcpherson tape um and again considering it's 1989 so this is predates uh man bites dog um does it so well in terms of just setting it up and the characters and the reason why they're filming and everything doesn't quite land in terms of the ending but you know i put i'm putting that down to low budget and then really just you know like there wasn't a template for found footage films at the time but great film have, have you seen mcpherson yeah tape? yeah I, I watched it on shot i think maybe last year and is is one i cured of a lot as being kind of a classic um <clears throat> i enjoyed it i found it kind of boring <laughs> Were, yeah. But I did enjoy it. But I was I was a little bit like, let's get to the aliens then. Come on, let's go. <laughs> I get that absolutely. Yeah, and I think I think that's yeah a valid complaint. Um, <laughs> then I'm going to rattle off some here. Some of these are obvious, but I'll kind of go into the reason why I dig them. And I think it's we're moving slightly away from horror here. But I think that's part of the reason I also love found footage is you can do other genres with it. So you know if you want to do the superhero subgenre. There is like Chronicle um, and Afflicted, which is like horror meets superhero stuff. I don't know if you've seen either of those. Um, there's Project X, which is kind of like a teen sex comedy, uh, but done as a, a found footage film. Europa Report, which is kind of a, a sci-fi movie done as found footage film. Cloverfield, obviously, which is like a monster movie done as a, a found footage. Um, Earth to Echo, which is kind of a kids movie, Goonies movie, E.T., but done in the found footage style. Um, that's probably one of the only post-2013 ones that I've seen because I watched it with my kids. So, you know, that was like, oh, okay, kids, you know, this is it. Um, and then there's the obvious ones like uh, VHS, VHS 2, the Wreck movies. They're, they're a great thrill ride. Definitely the first two. I uh, really enjoyed those. Uh, similar then to Host is the Unfriended movies. I don't know if you've seen any of those. Yeah, that was, that, was, that was good. It's another one I didn't watch and nearly turned off because it was two teenage girls. And I was like, I can't, I can't yeah. identify with 15-year-old girls, man. But then <laughs> I got into it and it was good. I saw the first one. Yeah, yeah. No, both of those, Unfriended and Unfriended Dark Web, I, I'd uh, recommend. And again, I'd recommend watching it on the laptop in a dark room, you know, because it replicates the yeah, desktop experience, if you like. Um, and then one which isn't found footage, but is a documentary, is the found footage phenomenon from Phil Escott of Fractured Visions. So it's a feature-length documentary on the found footage subgenre. It goes into amazing depth. Um, I was really, really lucky to watch like an early cut of the film. So from what I understand, it had to get trimmed down a bit. Uh, I watched like a two-hour cut. Uh, it speaks to like the majority of the directors of the films that we've just already mentioned, um, you know, and the classics, if you like. Uh, from what I understand, I, 
it's getting a, a decent release in 2022 i don't think it's been announced who's putting it out but it will be getting you know a blu-ray and a dvd release of its own definitely check it out uh and one nugget of info which considering how much like research i did on found footage when i was you know uh, gearing up to make curb crawlers that i'd never made this connection before was a lot of people saw when they were first doing the found footage film uh, replicating the same thing as um the what they call the epistolary novels so you know like in dracula where it's all written from like letters and journals oh, so it's very okay. much that so first person together. yeah um and i'd never never made that connection no, before really. and so like a few of the people who were talking about it in it i was just like jesus christ yeah. yeah you know like like i remember reading dracula for the first time as a teenager and like you know i'd, I'd read stephen king before that and that was a, a straightforward way of telling it but of course then he comes out with carrie which again is like her journals and then you know interviews after the fact um and yeah it's a it, it, yeah. It, it's the same way of trying to immerse the audience in this first person narrative um which again is 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 you know like a connection i'd mev- never made uh, there are loads more gems. I don't want to give away all, all of the great stuff in the documentary. But yeah, definitely keep an eye out next year for the found footage phenomenon. Um, yeah, from Phil. So, How'd you seen Behind the Mask as well? Yes, yes. Great one. And when when I you said about Man Bites Dog, I was like, oh, Behind the Mask is a super good fake documentary about a serial killer. Yes. That's actually funny too, isn't it? Like, Yeah, that's right, man. Didn't they do a sequel as well? I never watched it. But oh, what I don't did know. They do? The first I think, one. I think, really? yeah, Behind the Mask, and I'm fairly sure the sequel's Beyond the Mask, but oh, yeah, okay, The Rise cool. of Leslie Vernon. Yeah, yeah good call, yeah. man. Good call. That was a, that's thought, a really good, especially yeah. the horror fans, if you know the conventions of like the slashes. Yeah, slashes. Yeah, tropes and stuff, then yeah, man, Behind the Mask. All right, you guys. So I think that wraps it up for this week. So Tom, Next episode is your choice again. So, what subgenre are we going to be watching? Yeah, let's let's do let's do Christmas, let's do Christmas, uh, Christmas horror movies, Christmas horrors, and we'll we'll dedicate nice. one to just slashers another time. Let's just do Christmas horrors. Although my choices will probably be Christmas slashers. Let's be fair. Yeah, yeah, they, they tend to be the best ones, definitely. Awesome. Yeah, no, fully on board for that. Christmas horror films. Right, I'm going to go away, do a bit of research. Uh, try remind myself that was what I enjoyed about found footage man was I'd forgotten the sheer number of films yeah. that I'd seen and loved and it was just like oh yeah shit remember this remember that that's that's why my honorable mentions is just a huge list of films because I, yeah, I really yeah. dug them <laughs> so that's brilliant yeah cool so uh, if you guys have got any suggestions about what Christmas horror films that we should be checking out let us know on the socials so we're on Twitter as James and Tom do unfortunate name but still uh and instagram as tom and james do horror so yeah that, a bit closer to the fact so guys please join us next time to see what or who james and tom will do i'm still working on it man <laughs> i'll come over soon man <laughs> awesome all right cheers guys and uh, yeah catch you next month for christmas horror movies <laughs>